One step right there. Okay. All right, if you have your Bibles, 1 Kings, and we are so excited to be back with our friend and his family, Brother Rick, 1 Kings 17. I like to use a lot of humor, and I have to warn people that I go to churches and these little old ladies come up to me and say, it took us five years to figure out not to take anything you say serious, because <laughs> my sense of humor is so warped. So I'll give you the head start. You don't have to wait five years or five times for me to come for my warped humor. Amen. But I do want to say I appreciate Brother Rick and his friendship and my dear wife. We were talking about that this morning, how she has stuck with me through 34 years of evangelism and uh, been there for to do everything for me, to drive, to get my, buy my clothes. She matches my ties and my shirts. People always say she could really mess with you. <laughs> Get it all mixed up. But I appreciate my wife. Oh, Boudreau, he finally got married. I was from Louisiana, so I got to tell a Boudreau and Thibodeau story. He uh, took his wife on uh, vacation. He told Thibodeau, man, I took my wife uh, on, not vacation, but I took her on our honeymoon to Hawaii. He was all excited, and Boudreau was telling Thibodeau, and Thibodeau said, well, that's good, but how are you going to top that next year? What are you going to do next year for your anniversary? He said, I already know. He said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to go back and get her. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> happy, happy marriage. Second Kings 17.5. Elijah has pronounced judgment on, on uh, Ahab that it's not going to rain for three years. And now God tells him to go and hide himself. Second Kings 17, 5. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith. That is before Jordan. Verse 6. And the, rib, the ravens. Brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And then verse 7. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love, your mercy. We pray you'd help us this morning to say the things you'd have us to say and the words you'd have us to say that uh, might meet the needs of the people this morning. I pray you'd meet every need, help them to know we love them. And most of all, you love them. And if there's one lost, we pray you'd open their understanding this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit to, to understand salvation and to receive the gift and illuminate our mind, loose our tongue in a great door of utterance that we might speak your word this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What to do when your earthly brook dries up. Sometimes your earthly brook is going to dry up, and you'll need to know what to do. Uh, Psalm 46, 4 says, There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad 
the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. There's a river. There's a heavenly river. When your earthly river dries up, there's a heavenly river. Amen. And we can have all the blessings and all the all the uh, joy of the Holy Spirit and the pleasures of the Holy Spirit when we learn to drink from that river. There's a river that will never run dry. When your earthly brook runs dry, there's a heavenly river that will not. And uh, the world has its honors and its riches and its uh, all of those things, its pleasures. But God has his system of honor and riches and pleasure. I was reading this verse and I always I'm intrigued by Psalm 36, 8. And I, I finally put it together what this river is. He said, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. That river is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never run dry. And uh, we can look at some places when people, their earthly, their earthly river ran dry and they found a heavenly river. Number one in our sustenance. You, if you go on with this story of Elijah, you find that he's, God sent him to a little widow who was so broke. And God set it up this way so that he would get the glory, not her. That this river of sustenance was going to flow. And he took this little widow and he sent Elijah to hide himself in a, in a foreign country. To hide himself. And he said, this little widow is going to sustain you. And we, when he got there, she was so in distress. She said, I'm gathering two sticks. All we've got left is one more meal. I'm gathering two sticks to make a fire, cook our last Cake and me and my son are going to die. That's how distraught she was. And Elijah said, well, while you're making that cake, go ahead and bring me one first. And bring me something to drink too because I'm thirsty. And uh, this little widow obeyed. She'd already had the command from God. And she obeyed and God sustained them through this three-year drought. A three-year famine came upon the, the earth and uh, that region of the earth and this, this uh, miraculous river of sustenance began to flow. And every morning they looked in the, in the meal barrel and there was meal in it. An angel had come and put some meal in it. And they looked in the oil, the cruise of oil, and there was oil. And every day they had pancakes. Amen. Every day they had cornbread. And they had heavenly, heavenly food. The other day... Back, I think it was in August, we were in a meeting, and we preached on Sunday. It was supposed to go through Sunday through Wednesday, and on Monday, the pastor called said, My son has COVID, and there's people in the church, and I think we need to shut the the uh, meeting down because it's, it's going through the church. So we shut the meeting down, and there was no uh, pay that week. And my wife was in the office on her calculator, or her adding machine, adding zero plus zero equals zero, uh, divided by zero, multiplied by zero, and minus zero, and plus zero, still equals zero. And my verse was Psalm 38, the other part of that verse I just read, Psalm 36, 8. It said, they shall be satisfied with the fatness of thy house. And a man knocked on our door, gave us a check. And he walked away in that check. I gave it to my wife. It was, it was more than enough to sustain us for that week, and we didn't know it, but we caught COVID the next week, and we were out for 10 more days, 
And it was enough to sustain us for three weeks. Because God is able to sustain us. When your earthly river dries up, there's a heavenly river of sustenance, of solace, comfort. Joseph. I I love the story of Joseph, and he's such a type of Jesus. Somebody said there's 101 types of Jesus, pictures of Jesus in Joseph's life. But uh, he had all of his earthly family dried up. He had no family. His mother died. Then his brothers sold him into slavery. His father thought he was dead. He was in Egypt. They sold him to a slave. His slave owner threw him in prison. And he suffered for those 13 years. He suffered. And, uh, but there, he had a secret. He had a secret in uh, Genesis 49, 22. Joseph is a fruitful bough. That's like a grapevine. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well. He had a well whose branches run over the wall. He had a well that he could dip into. We were on the plane several years ago with a man uh, beside me was from the southwest. And he said, it's a desert. And we, uh, where we live has been declared a desert. But he said, our wells are so deep that we haven't run out of water. And uh, somebody said, sorrow makes the roots grow deep. When we go through sorrow and drought and desert and loss of loved ones, uh, it makes our roots grow deeper and find water. And there's a well we can tap into, the same well that Joseph had. We have that well, and we can drink from that well. I never pray for one drop of comfort every day on my prayer list. I, I don't pray for one drop of comfort. I don't pray for one cup of comfort. I don't pray for a double portion of comfort I, I found the, the biggest word I could find in the English vocabulary, and I pray for an enormous amount of his comfort every day. We have not because we ask not. Amen? And he can comfort us. We can dig into that well. We can sink our roots deep into that well, and that's where we grow. That's where Joseph began to grow, and he grew over the wall, and he became so fruitful that he fed Many nations and many times our trials come to to cause us to grow a little deeper and bear a little bit more fruit and feed a few more people. Uh, We can go and find the solace, the comfort that we need. It's a a, uh, river of stability. When the in the work of God, when Satan is attacking, I was reading through uh, Zacchaeus. Not Zacchaeus. That's not a book in the Bible. Zechariah. I shouldn't have told you that. You'd have been looking for it. <clears throat> Zechariah. Zechariah 4.6. Where Satan in chapter 3. Satan was coming against Zerubbabel. He was trying to rebuild the temple. And Satan was attacking him. And it, you go back to some of the other books in the Bible. And you'll find Uh, That he was attacking them and all the people were writing letters to the kings to stop the work. And it was a confusion and chaos. And an angel comes to Zacchaeus, Zechariah, Zerubbabel, in the book of Zacchaeus. He comes to Zerubbabel in Zechariah 4, 6 and said, Then he answered and spake unto me. The angel is telling Zerubbabel, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, 
nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Verse 7, who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, grace, grace unto it. It's the grace of God that pushes back Satan from our work and gives us stability that we can keep going no matter what the circumstances, what the the obstacles and what the mountain that lies in front of us. God said, I'm going to make this mountain a plain by the grace of God. That's why it says be strong in the grace of God. Because the grace of God can push back our enemies. The grace of God can push back the circumstances and the impossibilities out of our way so that we can finish our work. It's the grace of God. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. He wouldn't take credit for his own strength or his own wisdom or his own power, but he gave all the glory to the grace of God. There's grace, a river of grace that can pour out. One of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 9, 8, where it talks about abounding. And the word abounding means to pour out like a river. That it says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. By the grace of God, we have a river, a river of strength. When we're weary, there's a river of strength. Uh, we see Elijah over in in Second uh, Kings or First Kings nineteen. Elijah, now he's done all these great things, and he's called down fire from heaven, and he's slain the prophets of Baal, and he's pronounced judgment upon uh, Ahab and all the great mighty. Th- Miracles of Elijah, but then he gets one word from from Jezebel that he's that she's going to have his head, and he believes her for some reason. He's scared and he runs to the wilderness and he's depressed and he's suicidal. And we see two pictures here. We see the picture of Elijah operating in the power of God, and then we see Elijah operating in the power of the flesh. He's so weak. He's suicidal. He's quit the ministry. He's unproductive. And God sends an angel in his weariness. He sends an angel. And he wakes him up. And there's a cruise of oil or a cruise of water and some cakes baking on the fire. And God sends an angel to feed him, a heavenly angel to strengthen him. And he ate all the food and he goes back to sleep. That's just like a Baptist. Eat all your food and go to sleep. And he, he goes back to sleep and the angel lets him rest and he wakes him up again, feeds him another meal and he goes 40 days in the strength of that meal. And he strengthens Elijah, gives him his strength back. Elijah's not quite operating in the spirit yet again. And he goes to a mountain to say it's the same mountain where Moses went up and hid in the cleft of the rock, same mountain. And he goes up in that cave, that cleft of the rock and he, he sees a uh, an earthquake and he sees a, a uh, fire and here's the wind, hurricanes and fires and earthquakes and all this. God wasn't in all that. He was in a still, small voice. And he said one thing to Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? You're out of, you, you could be down uh, helping people. You could be down among the people. And he said, what, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
And he pours out his fears in his heart and says, oh, it's all over. The government's corrupt and I'm the only one left. And he said, no, you're not the only one left. There's 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal and I'm still on the throne. Amen. And so he, he, he restores Elijah and Elijah goes down from that mountain back operating in the power of the Holy Spirit again. And sometimes we got to check what we're doing. Are we depending on our strength? Are we walking around in our strength? Are we walking around in his strength, filled with the Spirit of God, in the power of God, united when we, uh, when we yield ourselves to the will of God and do the will of God? The Bible says we are metamorphosized. We're transformed by the renewing of your mind, the metamorphosis uh, like a caterpillar is metamorphosized into a butterfly. That's what happens in your spirit. A miracle takes place in your spirit when you say yes to the will of God. You you begin to fly higher than you've ever flown and do things you've never been able to do in your own strength. Uh, it's, a, it's a river of sweetness. When life turns bitter, God can send us a heavenly river that's sweet. When the river of life is bitter, God can make it sweet. When you see that story of Moses and they brought the children of Israel out with a great victory and then they get to the river and they're thirsty and they're in the desert and they're thirsty. They come to a river and they can't drink. It's bitter and they start complaining and griping to Moses and he prays, what should I do, God? They can't drink the water and they're blaming me. And Moses, Moses, uh, God tells Moses, go to that tree right there. He points out a tree, a certain tree, and he says, cast it into the water. And he cast it into the water, and the water was made sweet. That water, that, that tree is a type of Calvary. When you get to Calvary and get that in your heart and get forgiven of your sins, it makes the water of life sweet. You start drinking from a heavenly, heavenly river. There was a, a lady, most of you have heard the name, Corey Ten Boone, who her family hid, hid the Jews during World War II from the Nazis, and they had hide them in the walls of their house. Then they would get them out by night through an underground system, and they would get them out uh, of the, the harm of the Nazis. And one day, uh, a Gestapo agent feigned himself to be a Jew, and he got in, and he and he broke up the whole uh, operation, and they put Corey and her sister and her dad and her brother into a concentration camp. And her, her dad died just a few days later, and uh, one of the guards attacked her sister and forced himself upon her. And when she resisted, he took the butt of his gun and split her skull open and she laid there for three days and died. And Corey looked on helpless to help her sister. And when the war was over, she got out. Uh, she began to, to give speeches in churches about forgiveness. And she said one day she was in a church and she thought she saw one of those guards walk into the church. And she kept watching that man and realized their eyes met. She realized that was the man that had killed her sister. And she said after the service, her people came by to see her, shake her hand and meet her. And this man came up and as she walked up, her fists were clenched. And the man came up and he said, I know that you know who I am. 
And I'm a Christian now, and I beg you, I beg you, please, please, I need you to forgive me for what I've done, what I did to you and your sister. And uh, with fist still clenched, she looked at him, and he bowed his head, and she looked at the crown of his head. And right above the crown of his head on the wall behind him was a cross. And she said, I cannot forgive you for what you have done. But then she looked at the cross and said, I can forgive you for what Jesus did on the cross. And she said for the first time in 15 years, her fists were unclenched. And she forgave that man. And uh, the cross will make a difference in your life. Not only will God forgive you of every sin you've ever committed, but he'll help you to forgive those that have sinned against you. It doesn't mean you have to walk around with dangerous people Hateful people don't hang around people like that. Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Beware, that's the sign that you hang on a cage of a dangerous animal. Uh, You don't have to hang around them, but you can forgive them. Amen. For what Jesus did. Is there someone you need to forgive? Jesus forgave the dying thief. He forgave the ones that nailed him to the cross. He said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. He forgave them. That brings us to the last river. We'll talk about the everlasting river of salvation. The river of salvation. Two thieves were crucified, one on each side of Jesus as he was crucified for our sins. Died to pay for our sin so that we could go to heaven and be free of that debt that we owed. And one railed on God. One was, But they were both thieves, but one was an unbeliever. And said, if you're really God, get down from here and save us and save yourself. And the other one said, we are getting what we deserve, but this man is innocent. He's dying unjustly. We are dying justly. And he realized Jesus was dying for his sins. And he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that very second, he forgave that thief and said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. And that thief went to heaven. Went to heaven because Jesus gave him eternal life. There was a man named William Cowper who had six nervous breakdowns. He had a lot of trouble with his nerves. Even after he was saved, he still had trouble with his nerves. But uh, he heard John Newton preaching on the street one day. And John Newton is the man that wrote Amazing Grace. He lived a very, very wretched, wretched life as a sailor and a slave trader. And uh, wretched Life And one day God saved, God saved John Newton and he wrote the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was blind, but now I'm, once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And he gave, uh, he, he preached that day and William Cowper got saved and he wrote a song called, There is a Fountain. Filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. There may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. There was a fountain, an everlasting river. The soldiers came and they pierced the side of Jesus that day. As he hung on the cross and he gave up the ghost, they pierced his side. And a, flow, a river of blood and water flowed out. The blood for our cleansing. 
and the water for everlasting life. If we could get a, a bottle of water that said everlasting life on it and put it in Walmart, the shelves would be clean. People have looked for the fountain of youth and thought they found the fountain of life and the fountain of youth all over the world. But here at Calvary is the fountain of life. Amen. Revelation 22 and verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. They're talking to you if you're lost. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Freely. It's free for you this morning. If you've never tasted this water of life, you can live forever and go to heaven when you die. You'll have eternal life. Your body will go back to the grave. It'll go back to dust. When your heart quits ticking, you'll already be in heaven. And God will give you a new body. One that will never wear out. One that will never get sick. One that will never get COVID. One that will never get Alzheimer's. One that will never get cancer. God will give you everlasting life if you'll drink from this river. Amen. There is a river. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Your mercy, we pray. Lord, we wouldn't waste this time, Lord, that you've given us to drink another drop, another glass full, another cup full of your wonderful water of life, Lord. If there's one that's thirsty, one that's 